This is Ian White from AVP, AVP Requiem, and Prometheus. If you've got time to bleed, you've got time to listen to the Aliens vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is Corporal Hicks and joining me are my usual partners in crime, Bridgetop, hey everyone, and Xenomorphin. This would be me. And you are listening to episode 79, which is well, our first episode of uh, 2019, so uh, welcome to 2019 everybody. Hope y'all had a nice holiday season. Indeed. And you guys as well? Yeah, it was good for me. How about you? Um, yeah, kind of relaxing. Nothing really special happened for me, but another year beckons. Do I know what I did for Christmas and um, New Year's? He he had a little world adventure. I did. I, did. I, I breached the borders of uh, the United Kingdom and um, endured a horrendous 12-hour flight <laughs> to go to Tokyo, which was awesome. 12 hours? 12 hours. Those are rookie numbers. And try flying to <laughs> Egypt. It's like twenty-five. I've been to Egypt, and it, it was not that bad. Oh well, it's a little—it's a little further from me. Yeah, I, I imagine from the U.S. to Japan would not have been so bad. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But um, so yeah, I, I went there um, to well, not to do AVP stuff, but there was a severe lack of Alien and Predator over there, which disappointed me because it was this its the—it's the land of um, hot toys. Didn't really manage to see a lot of stuff, although I did manage to come back with the Fugitive Predator and the new Ultimate Aliens, the NECA did, because they haven't shown up over in the UK yet. But also, I got to—we got to go and see some cool sort of alien statue things that were outside of a club in Tokyo, um, in Shibuya, uh, called Jumanji Thirty Three. Um, they got these two. Yeah, do have you seen the um, the new sideshow sort of statue with like the spiral tails around? Yeah, and, and the sort of crossed arms kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Invernicus Raptus statue, I think it's called. Um, so yeah, yeah it's that sort of Giga pose. Yeah. So there was two of those on top of the. Um, outside of this club uh, which was pretty cool i got a, fo- a photo in front of that apparently there was a there was another jumanji club that had uh, predator ones but i didn't know about that so i didn't <laughs> i didn't go and see covering all their bases yeah yeah why not um so yeah this is our first episode of 2019 we were actually planning on doing like a big reaction sort of episode to the the read play watch stuff that's been going on at the minute but unfortunately the the watch announcement still hasn't happened and i did want to uh you know, get an episode out in January. So we're doing this one first. And we've hit a little bit of a milestone as well. Can you guys believe we've spent 100 hours talking about Alien and Predator? Yes. <laughs> I can, yeah, it's not not that hard to believe. Um, yeah. So we've managed it in uh, in 79 episodes, yeah. As, as of this episode, we are going to hit our 100th hour, which I think is pretty cool. That's, that's a cool milestone. We'll have the real celebration when we hit our 100th episode. We're going to have to think of something cool to do for that one, actually. I have no idea what yet, but we'll we'll do something. We'll do something interesting. We'll have to get a good guest or um, something like that. But yeah, okay. So um, shall we crack on? Shall we talk about um, Predator Hunters 2? Predator Hunters 2. 
Actually, before we do talk Predator Hunters 2, we're just going to have a quick, brief recap of our thoughts on the first series, because, you know, that, that would make sense. Um, just so you guys know where we are going into this one and what we thought of the last one. So, Rich Top, start us off. So, I mean, the original Predator Hunters is probably my favorite Predator comic in recent years. Like, it really reminded me of the, the feel of some of the older Predator comics. And I know we had our last podcast at the end of that run for Predator Hunters saying how much we wanted a sequel. And so here we are uh, having Predator 2 just finished with issue four. I, th- I think it's just a really strong series. I, I loved the first one. I loved the character. I liked the artwork for both of them. It, it was kind of different in this one, but in a good way, I would say. And and at the end of this one as well, we get a tease to see where it might go next. So uh, as far as the first Predator Hunters, though, I liked the, the island setting a lot and the, it kind of turned the the hunt on its head, how you had uh, this team of ex-military, ex-law enforcement hunting down uh, these predators. But uh, the the twist, if you haven't read the, the first comic, there's, there's an interesting twist as far as um, the predator's predicament, I guess, that they are tracking down. If they haven't read the first one, I don't know what they're listening to this one for. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say now, spoilers for both series as will be in this episode. So feel free to spoil the twist. We find the predators are actually captives of these these people on the island that are it's like a cult. It's been a while since I've read the first comic kind of they just all follow this guy who's um, captured the predators there and keeps them on a separate but but close by island. The island leaders great great-grandfather something like that he's the one that captures them i suppose captures a bit of a layman's way of putting it but yeah stuff happens and they end up marooning these predators on this other island and i suppose a sort of mini culture evolves around about their um you know sort of emulating the predator's way of life you know the hunt and um, the primal getting to basics kind of thing it's interesting the whole the concept of the family lineage uh, having dealt with the predator in the past and survived, how that affects you, and and it focuses on that in the characters as well. And we've seen that before, honestly, in comics like Eternal and even in the video game uh, Concrete Jungle. It focused a lot on the predator's impact to a specific family and and the ramifications of that going forward. And we see that with the, the main uh, female character here, Jaya or Jaya, however you pronounce her name, who leads the team here. Her great great grandfather uh, hunted down the predators as did her you know her great grandfather it just continued through her family lineage so i think that's a really prominent theme in in the hunter series is just like the the effects of the encounters with the predators and how these characters deal with that moving forward and what the ramifications of of those encounters are so yeah i just i think the series is great i love the first one and i love this one what did you give the first first one in terms of um numbers was it seven Uh, out of ten i think I think for me it was like an eight, like I'm bordering on nine. Probably the same for this one. Okay. Well, I I, I gave it a seven out of ten the first series anyway. Um, and again, I I really really liked Predator Hunters one. I thought it was I thought it was a very solid Predator comic. It was nice for the Predator to stand out from all these crossover events that it'd been a part of over the last you know last good few years uh, at least the last five or so years it's mostly been under fire and stone and life and death before that it would have been they had a couple tie-in for tie-ins for predators they was that 2010 yeah i believe it was the same year the um before the three that, world war comic yeah yeah that was slightly before I mean, it was it was it was standalone, but it was still part of an event. Yeah, it was still an AVP series. 
Even then, the the last one before that would have probably been Xenogenesis, and that was still a big crossover event as well. So Predator hasn't really stood on its own for a good long while. Predator doesn't get as much love as Aliens does as a franchise. Which is a shame because it it works on its own, which is what Hunters is is showing. Hunters 1, you know, like I said, it was solid. It was a 7 out of 10 for me. There was lots of stuff I liked in it, and it it felt like part one which is what it's proved to be. Obviously, we're going to be talking about part two today, and they've already set up a part three. So, yeah, I hope it keeps going. I hope it stands out on its own, whether it continues as a Hunters, uh, which I really hope it does, or whether it gets some some more standalones as well at the side, like Aliens is doing, because they, you know, Aliens has been maintaining a good few runs around about the same time, so it would be nice to see Predator get that sort of treatment as well, especially now that, you know, Hunters is proving... <laughs> <laughs> that it is good. You know, the the Predator comics are back and good again. But I don't want to get too heavily into the first one. I'm sure things will come up throughout this this issue anyway. I just wanted to remind people what me and you thought. If you want to listen to our thoughts in more detail, uh, we talked about it on episode... Oh my god, now I'm going to have to find it. I thought I'd prepared for this. Um... Wasn't too oh, long well, Yeah, no, it, it was a good while ago, actually. Um, episode Ooh. 59, so nearly 20, 20 episodes ago. Um, but... Uh, Xenomorphin, you weren't part of that episode, so people can't find out what you thought about it. So, just briefly, before we go into Hunters 2, what did you think of the first Hunters series? As with Hunters 2, I really like the artwork. The artwork is probably the highlight of both these. Story-wise, I thought it set up some interesting premises, but it didn't quite you know, go with them in the way I would have liked. I like the fact that it did refer back to earlier characters, um, like the one set in Victoria with spring Jack and the Native American guy from um, Big Game. Enoch Nakai. Yeah, you know, and I mean, the, the trouble with him was I, I thought, oh, good, they've included him, therefore there's going to have relevance to his character somehow. But it kind of felt like they just put him in there for name recognition. There wasn't anything that was done with him that couldn't have been done by, a, you know, and a mother character. So I thought things like that were a bit squandered. I like the idea of these predators that didn't have technology, that were using what's around them environmentally. But I thought it glossed over how these native villagers were meant to have overpowered these predators not just killed them but captured them which is probably a hell of a lot more difficult than killing them and all that stuff that didn't sit well with me and at one point you have all these predators you know in canoe and (laughs) paddling out to this ship and they've got this human guy that's basically he's in control of them and i'm thinking why don't they kill him and there's uh, no- i think think you got mixed up there mate because they were they were the villagers they sort of See, um, i wondered that but they look like predators from their physiques but they made a point of that in um in the story that they were just emulating the predators yeah i, I know that they, they, some of them were wearing this wooden stuff but some of them i don't know some of the ones in the canoes they did look like predators okay so i might be wrong on that but <laughs> I'm st- I would have still been way more interested if it was a story set up about how the villagers did their thing than what 
the actual story came to be. As I said, some things were just glossed over. I would have been interested in those parts more than what we actually got. Find as a whole, like the Predator hunting team, particularly compelling. So oh. story-wise and character-wise, it didn't really do much for me, but I like the art. So I would say three out of five for the whole thing, the first one. Got to go out of ten, Eric. We got to keep our scoring oh, universal here. Oh, it'd be six, six out of five. Ten. Yeah, six out of ten. Let's say six out of ten. So, uh, Xenomorphin does not agree with us. Oh, oh dear. He's got great visuals. Disagreement but... in the fandom. Uh, what? No, that never happens. <laughs> oh, it does happen. <laughs> that, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Every time it happens. To, um... I suppose it applies to this as well, actually, to Hunters too. so we'll, we'll move on now. Um, but to mm. your point about Enoch, the thing I felt about Hunters 1 was that it very much was episode 1. It very much was a pilot episode. So it was mm. more about setup necessarily than getting everything going. Yeah, I mean, if he comes into it more in the later series, fine. But in terms of just judging it as its own standalone story, the first one, I did feel myself... Like, I like how he was brought into it. I actually like that sequence. But after that point, I did find myself wondering, why did they do that? But if they if he's brought in another story, that's fine. Yeah, one of the I don't want to say the issues because I don't want to start off sounding negative with this one because I did really enjoy <laughs> it. But like one of the things I noted about Hunters Two was that you know again Enoch and uh, Mandy I thought took a back seat on this um, in this story, mm. which again to me feels like it's it's just an episode of a, sh- a show, a part of a story, and it wasn't their story this time round. Mm. Yeah, it feels it feels like an episodic series. And and I think you're right. I think Enoch was more of a focus of the first one, but he and Mandy did take more of a backseat in this one. But you still saw some character development, especially uh, I think there was a bit more camaraderie and friendship between Enoch and Mandy. And you could you could really see it in this one. I really like where their sort of relationship seems to be going, whether it's friendship or whether it's romantic, because like that moment in the first one I really loved was um, when they get introduced to each other and Mandy kicks Enoch's ass. Enoch's thing really in the first series is just is getting back in shape. He's he's the in for the readers in terms of this team so yeah i i get i get what eric was saying there um what xenomorphin was saying there so i can't disagree with that i just don't think it's an issue for me because i'm sure he's gonna get some love down the line but in this one yeah they did have uh, enoch and bandy did have some nice little moments together as well i I do really look forward to seeing where they go from with those guys and seeing those uh, more of those pair but Swain, Swain was the star of this show. So Ridgetop, what did you think of Swain's sort of story in, in Hunters 2? I thought it was really compelling. I'm, I'm kind of torn about it because I wish he hadn't have died. I wish he was injured. I kind of expected that he was going to die as kind of like his redemption. But I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do what I expect. Like have him have him barely survive like he's proven himself to the team because I would have liked seen his his character continue but still it, it was kind of a fitting end because he was back in afghanistan and and honestly like the first and, and second i guess act I, I don't know if episodes always have a three-act structure like like film it's four or five normally i think in terms of tv show but the let's just say the first half of the comic it wasn't quite gripping me as much as as the first one was but then 
once once I realized that the focus was really on Swain and his relationship with this uh, local boy kind of developed, like you saw a friendship with them, as well as you you find out the predator is actually the the predator that wiped out his unit when he was in Afghanistan before, because that's that's where his his encounter with the predator previously was, where it wiped out his entire team. And uh, his his new team, the the Predator Hunters, are a little distrusting of him because they found out that his story of him facing the Predator was ultimately a lie, and he really just kind of hid and, and let the Predator kill his entire team. So there there was kind of a, a like a feeling that that Jaya kept reminding him of was like you you need to prove yourself here because what you told us was a lie, and he did. So I, I thought that arc was was pretty compelling. I just wish he would have survived it. See, I, I wasn't expecting the death, to be honest. Nor was I expecting the reveal that this predator that we'd been seeing throughout Hunters 2 was, was the same one. Which I suppose counts as this series' twist, I suppose, do you think? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like a big turnabout, like I suppose um, Hunters... Oh no, Hunter's one twist wouldn't have been a huge turnabout, but it felt a bit bigger, if you know what I mean. You know, the whole uh, Predator's imprisoned and they're emulating them thing. But it was it was a cool sort of story twist and reveal that... Yeah, I, that, did, that did turn the story on its head somewhat. Um, in this one, it's... Yeah, it's more straightforward in the second one. I think the whole narrative actually was a lot straightforward, but I didn't think that was necessarily a bad thing. I really liked its tight focus on on Swain and on um, you know on this particular mission. You know, it's get in there, kill the guy, get out kind of thing. But yeah, I wasn't expecting the death, and I do agree. You know, I wish I wish they'd have left him alive, if only just to um, give him use to the team. He's he's shown that he's capable. He's shown that he'd be a value to the team. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, th- I thought his I thought his redemption was nice because he is such a jagweed in the first series, absolute bell end in the first series, and it kind of ends with a, a teeny bit of um, Hunter's one kind of gives him a teeny bit of redemption in when he pushes uh, one of the predators off the cliff, but this one just goes full out, and um, you know it's he's so guilty about it, he's so guilty about surviving, and. I liked it. I thought I thought it worked well. I especially liked his relationship with um, Atal, the injured Afghan boy, because you you normally find kids annoying in in adult quotation marks in adult um, franchises. You know, we got that recently with the Predator and what's his face, Jacob Tremblay's. Um, I can't even remember the character name. Uh, Rory, Rory. <laughs> His whole character and the whole um, autism superpower thing that they went for, I guess, was kind of um, kind of went down poorly. Yeah, I think at the time we said he's perfor- the performance was fine. It's just like what the story did with a couple of his elements was a bit yeah. off. But yeah. yeah, but I didn't find the actual portrayal annoying in the slightest. Just in his story usage, I suppose, would be the best way to say. Yeah. It. But I did, I did, I didn't feel like that with the tal um, at all. You know, it was just a simple. He's going to guide them to there. It develops Swain, uh, builds a you know builds a little friendship there, makes Swain less of a less of a jerk. Uh, so that that worked for me. I like I liked those pair. But what about you then, Xenomorphin? I'm guessing that you weren't too keen on um, the focus on Swain, or it didn't really work for you. <laughs> well, Sw- Swain was the one who was a bit cheesy in the first one. Was he kept cracking the smiles and he was saying stuff like, "Oh, the Redskins didn't." Re- should change their name but the name chief is taken and things like that when he that grated on me a bit you saying you didn't um that surprised you he died and all that yeah to I, me, didn't, I didn't see it telegraphed 
I totally did. Even from the first one, the moment he said about, oh, I was in a unit and it was in Afghanistan, it got attacked. I thought myself, oh, it's going to be brought back to that something. Yeah, and so did I. <laughs> I got once, that. Yeah, and once it was, the next one was set in Afghanistan and you had that moment where it was a bit cheesy where you said stuff like, oh, I don't know if I can go through that shit no more. My men, my men die. <laughs> Things like that. It got a little melodramatic. And at that point, I thought, no, he's he's destined. Now they are basically telegraphing to us. He's going to die. And that is how he's going to achieve his redemption. That is his purpose within the story. He's going to multi wound the predator son. He's going to die as a. That is going to be his purpose within it. And then the the team is going to be, you know. And then there were three or whatever. To me, I absolutely could tell he was going to somehow meet the same predator that had had a hand in his unit's death, and he was going to die. All that stuff, I absolutely got right from the get-go wasn't too see this is what i said the cheesy stuff in the first one it sort of colored my perception of him there wasn't much he was kind of coming across like a bit of a stereotype but as you said some of his conversations with the afghanistan one-legged boy and they they sort of even that out but at the end i can't say i was happy he went but i can't say i was sorry to see him go because he didn't I could tell that was his purpose and that was it. it. It wasn't one of those things where I was going, oh, I like that character. So I, I wasn't, I can't sound too cut up about it. That's fair enough. So we also get some sort of teasers into some more of Jay's background and I suppose some integration into the new um, post The Predator lore as well with the addition of Stargazer. Yeah, I mean, on, on that, to interject real quick, I have to wonder about if the Stargazer thing was just always planned as that or if it was OWLF or they got information that the name had been changed for The Predator and they, they decided to go with the Stargazer name because, I mean, beyond just there being a black ops government team that's trying to hunt for Predator technology, there's nothing in this that's related to the Predator no, at all. No. Really. Thank God. <laughs> right? <laughs> but with it just being the Stargazer personnel, I don't, I didn't mind that. You know, when we talked about the Predator's the predator hunter and hunted you know we liked we liked that we we liked the stargazer stuff we liked the reapers so just integrating into that kind of stuff i i'm perfectly fine with i do not mind seeing more of um, stargazer and i guess i guess i felt like it teased jay having you know some familiarity with this particular guy it didn't really go into that because she obviously recognized this guy and that was never really explained, except that she knew what Project Stargazer was, and she was trying to stop the acquisition of Predator technology, even though her family had benefited from that at the past, which which is also kind of curious. Like, at what point did she regret her family's heritage and the benefits that she herself has has reaped from the sale of some of that technology. She specifies it wasn't military kind of technology, though. Exactly. Exactly. So if that was the case, then then why is she feeling so guilty about it? So that's that's what I think kind of needs to... They need to go into that a bit more. Like Do you what, think there's a story there? Well, probably. I mean, at, at the end, they also... Um, uh, we it's the character that we thought had died in the first one? Uh, Rafael Herrera. Right. Herrera. So he is recovered by Project Stargazer. They are checking the the island for traces of of the predator that was in the first series so obviously these two groups probably know about each other now 
So with with him being recovered by Stargazer, it makes me wonder how the dynamics are going to go between Stargazer and the Predator Hunters and and what's going to come of that. Another thing to kind of mention is that at the end of the last podcast, I was wondering if the final surviving Predator that the the Hunters spared because he got his his wrist gauntlet back if he was calling for help or if he was about to self-destruct. And now we know from the crater of the island yeah. that the team was was searching that he self-destructed, which is kind of a shame. Like, I, I didn't think he... <laughs> Uh, his survival was anything dishonorable. I mean, he he was just, I mean, I guess being captured for 100 years, but we've seen with Scarface, you can you can be banished for 100 years and still come back. Like Yeah, it, Scar, Scar wasn't captured, though. You know, he, he was banished. So it, I think it might have might have been a little different thing, you know. I don't think it was necessarily an honor thing. I think he might have, because there was in the first, hunters thing there was this thing about they mentioned that those predators had sort of gone a, either a little bit insane or embraced the primal nature a little too much so i, I, I think it was feeling. just that he don't know i'm just saying it might not have been an honor thing it might have been a i'm too tired of this and i'm just gonna blow everything up sort of thing i did it wasn't too clear it's like you i thought he was signaling for not help but you know to be picked up or something just exactly i, didn't, I yeah, thought the same I, thing i don't quite understand the reasons for him blowing up no instead of uh rafael bursting from the rubble i i was kind of thinking oh is this team gonna run into the predator is this yeah. like uh, are they just messing with us and maybe that predator is still alive and they're gonna attack stargazer like i was kind of expecting that yeah when when the hand came up i thought it was was the predator to start with and then obviously noticed that it wasn't or clawed and whatever i was disappointed if only for the fact that i'd been hoping for a bit of a recurring um, predator adversary mm. you know that they, they always die at the end of them so it would have been it would have been nice to have, have seen them carry over because um, that was one of the things i really liked about the recent anthology uh, predator if it bleeds was that not all they didn't all end with the predator being killed in some inventive way or whatever you know some of them survived and and, and made it out there and that would that was one of the things I liked about the first series anyway, because it seemed like <laughs> it was ending with one being left over, and it seemed like he might have might have escaped, but whatever i I get it i I do think it would be shameful for him having spent hundreds of years you know captured and and at the whim of these humans, uh, maybe there were still some of the islanders left on the island with him, maybe it was you know maybe it was an act of revenge. Also, I just re- I just realised this is possibly the end- advent of one of the first times in comics where predators of female predators have been depicted as boobless because they did say it was all that time ago and the colony had gone from just those small men and they'd sort of like thrived so it implied that they had been mm, breeding. I don't think so. I think uh, it was I just one, on one group of of hunters and their numbers were about the same as they had been for. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I got the impression their numbers had multiplied. So I think I some of the wrong. I think some of the flashback art depicted them as so many survived the crash, and then so many were killed um, when the islanders were fighting the predators, and then it just mm. seemed to be these three left on um, left on the island. But fair enough. Do do we want to see Stargazer play a part in the next in the next issue next series? I mean, the story is kind of naturally leading to that. So again, yeah, I, because I, there like, is that theme from the first one about having their equipment and st- even the thing when you first meet Enoch is about him 
you know, he's stitched together this fake alien that he'd killed, but it's all about, like, he took his head, and it's all about taking the heads or the equipment or whatever. And one of them, you do see a predator head on a trophy wall, like a human trophy thing. So I think there is that um, foreshadowing that we're going to meet more of Project Stargazer. I, I just hope... And and I'm sorry to those who liked the Predator. I hope they they keep that movie as its own thing, and and that those story elements don't get into this series. That's just my personal wish. I mean, of course, Which, it's up uh, to you. Mean the hybrid stuff or other stuff? Yeah, that and details about Project Stargazer. I just thought it was a little comedic how Stargazer was run, unrealistically so. Yeah. In uh, in the Predator, yeah. Except, and, and that's kind of why I. I lament the third act of the predator being so different because we know there was some additional oversight to stargazer and um traeger was killed because of of how he was acting by this this general who who took over the project and that was all cut from the movie and instead traeger just blows his own head off arbitrarily (laughs) and um so I would have liked to to see that, and maybe the the fact that you had emissary predators. Like I I would kind of like that concept in this. Like, wouldn't it be crazy if the predator hunters end up hunting predators with other predators on the team, and the kind of uh, tension that would be there because they all have history with the predators, but there's a faction yeah. that's allied with them. I'm always for the team ups. I'm sorry. I know I know people hate them, but uh, I think I think they make for really interesting stories, other than just the traditional. Oh, you know, the hunt is on. You got to kill the predator. You got to survive. Like it adds this extra dynamic when there's a team up element there. I mean, it's not something to be done all the time for sure. But I, I just think once in a while, it, it really makes for an interesting story. It wouldn't surprise me if we do get to see those emissary predators and elements like that that weren't in the film that did have a lot of positive fan feedback. They might decide to introduce them into this story and the future stories. It really wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I would I would be totally up for that. I mean, let's not give them cargo pants or camo pants or whatever, but... <laughs> You know, I thought those those outfits were kind of cool. Everyone railed on them because they were early just set photos. But I think once we saw some of the behind the scenes stuff that ADI did, they looked like military outfitted some predators that were allied with them. Like it didn't look ridiculous. No, no. To they be fair, did look a little goofy. ADI didn't dress them. Let's just put that out there. That was yeah, the costuming department. I right. I just the footage that ADI took that oh, we enough. recently saw. That wasn't just uh, random shots of of the set. No, I can make mental gymnastics in my head as to why it would make sense for them to wear camo. But if it's handled in or mentioned in the narrative, then it's not such a fuss to me. But yeah, I can understand why people might think it's stupid. But I don't mind team ups as long as it makes. I don't want to say makes sense because it makes sense as to why Lex would team up with Scott. But that never felt earned to me. That was my problem in the film. But if you know it was introduced properly into into another hunters series down the line i'd be totally up for it i'd love to see it because like you say their personal history with being predator survivors would make that so interesting just the tension would be amazing if they if they rolled with it you know if they played with it so i i i don't think the chances of seeing that are unlikely you know i think as much as it, the emissaries got poo-pooed to start with when those images leaked, I think there's been a pretty vocal sort of um, outcry to see that footage and people lamenting their, you know, their removal. So hopefully, hopefully, Dark Horse has heard that. You know, hopefully they'd be interested in in bringing that to us. 
Well, I mean, we can go back to foreshadowing again. And the first thing, they haven't brought this in yet, but the first thing that did come to my mind as soon as I realised one of those characters was from the original Bad Blood comic is we might not see a, quote, bad blood here, but what if we got the equivalent of, you know, the, the Predator policeman coming here, which, you know, happened in the recent film in a way, but I could see something like that being brought into it again, because there's got to be a reason they went back to bad blood as a tangential reference that's got to come into play at some point. And how they would do that, it would make sense for one or two of elements of that story to be toyed with in a different way in here. Uh. Although we're coming back to Stargazer again, I did notice that I mean, I it seemed like they were more US Army, and I thought Stargazer was its own CIA offshoot thing, so I'm not sure what was happening there, but they The book, the prequel book, has it as being yeah. a joint venture between the CIA and the army. So yeah. it's, it's but when when, when Ridge Top said he thought it might have been a generic, you know, OWLF or some other thing. And then by the time it came to print, they changed it to Stargazer. It made sense to me because it seemed like it was just a generic special ops. There's like uh, going by the the leaked script for the Predator and I guess what was initially shot for the third act, there was a separate unit that the general headed. Yes, Stargazer was Mm. completely different to... And I didn't didn't know if if stargazer knew about that or not like what was going on with the emissaries because that was always weird to me like if stargazer was so desperate to get their hands on a predator like did they know that there were these emissaries that were working with the government like that seems kind of like well that's a whole other can of worms i guess but i've been working on the deleted scenes for them for the predator and going through the script going through what we knew of the of the test screenings and stuff like that there's just so many different ways things played out and what could have been because mm, yeah. even even the first test screening of the predator uh what's his face uh, edward james almas's character the general isn't in there traeger's the one that introduces the guys to the emissaries in that particular mm. edit of the film so this it's it's been so confusing trying to patch together what was actually happening see um, that's even that weirder because then why would they be trying to dissect the fugitive if the, the emissaries yeah. wanted to recruit him because that like um the, the... <laughs> I, know, I know i'm shrugging in confusion here too i've been that <laughs> all the stuff i've been doing on that film recently and, and watching it recently oh i just i'm fucking sick of it it's, it frustrates me so much i always got the impression like the general character wanted to recruit them and traeger wanted to um dissect them in the script he wanted the tech he was trying to d- get the tech for his own purposes rather than work with the general, if I remember right. Right, yeah. And so I d- he didn't know that the general had these emissaries, if I'm correct, because when the general shows up, he just kills Traeger in the script, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he has a sniper tech him out or something. So, I mean, that's that's kind of weird, too. <laughs> I don't know. That movie is just so confusing. Sorry, mean, for, sorry for the tangent there. Yeah, but... let, let's let's avoid the predator now because it's going to depress me. <laughs> going back to the the comic, um, I, well, what I was going to say was it. I did notice that this team seemed sort of almost just as inept as they were in the film because, like, they're saying that they're aware they're aware of what the predators are and that they're thermal vision. And oh, do you mean the stargazer was? 
Yeah, they're yeah. saying, oh, lay down smoke. And I'm thinking, but it's just going to use thermal view. It's going to see through the sound smoke. <laughs> I was like, what? And but all they served was just like they had some air support and there were a lot of soldiers just to kill off. That was their only purpose in the story. They did. There was nothing there aside for them to be red shirts. What well, I would have liked them to have done something with that military team, but it was just there to be, you know, splatter kill pawn basically now that you mentioned that yeah it was kind of strange how they kept mentioning oh we're fine in the day the predator's heat vision won't be able to pick us up in the day but he still takes out like most of that stargazer unit in the middle of the yeah. day out of nowhere and shouldn't these people know if they've been hunting predators for this long that they have exactly. like different vision modes mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. and even so, that isn't true i mean you can Thermal works better at night, but you even out in somewhere in like Afghanistan, they they were using it a lot on you know gunships and all the rest of it. Thermal is not you can't just defeat it. I was going to say you can't just defeat it by being like the environment, but in the Predator world, you can put mud on yourself. <laughs> so I suppose in <laughs> Predator continuity, maybe, but yeah, um, things like that. They it just think these are not professionals and yet they're being portrayed as professionals so yeah i i there are little things in these stories where as i said i'd have liked them to have been used better by the writers but there are a lot of setups where you have the uh, kill people and those sequences are really good i said the art in the series is really good you have the predator just being outright brutal Mm. but i would have liked to have seen more cleverness not only on the predator side, but on the human side, like the somebody gets outfoxed and they have to outfox the person that's hunting them. Like in the original film with Dutch, it was about the predator and Dutch doing that cat and mouse game. And it wasn't just the predator entrapping Dutch. It was at some point Dutch entrapping predator. Stuff like that makes it compelling. For the same reason in Trek 2, Wrath of Khan, you have Kirk and Khan playing this cat and mouse game and it's what makes them so compelling because you're seeing that played out whereas in the more recent star trek film you never have anything like that happen at all it's not as compelling we don't talk about into darkness no that no, film did not happen <laughs> <laughs> but i would i would have liked to have seen you have this military team that's all suited up and all the rest of it I thought, oh great they've been hunting predators all this time or trying to now they've got one in the area, what do they do with it? And all they do is just, they are red shirts. And that mm. felt a little bit of a damp script. It, the illustrations are beautiful when you see this predator lashing out at them. But I'm thinking it would have been nice to see, have uh, something story-wise going on there where you would have gone back to Because if you don't have that, all it is is just a nice sequence of, you know, colour drawings where it has the predator killing someone, but it's not, reason to go back and reread it again yeah i really liked the art in this uh i i could still recognize all the characters even with yeah. the art style change the, the so that was good was perfectly fine mm. i thought yeah but the art was was a lot more um i'd say aggressive and and raw feeling in this one as opposed to the first one yeah definitely. Um, both both series had great artwork um i don't really have one that i like more than the other it was just different like it took me a a few pages to warm up to initially. Um, things are a bit exaggerated here and there for dramatic effect, but it's still, it doesn't get to a, a cartoony point like we kind of saw with AVP three world war or anything. It's still very much in line with what we've, we have come to expect from the last issue, but it's, it takes it in, 
its own unique style here, which yeah. uh, I very much enjoyed. It was it was very sort of heavy on the blacks, I thought, but I thought that worked for it quite well, um, especially in terms of, of the mood and stuff. But I would say I, I think I preferred this. Don't get me wrong. I, I love... Oh, God. What's, oh, I always butcher his name. Velocasso's uh, artwork in the first one. Fran- Francisco Ruiz Vela Caso. I really enjoyed his artwork in, in the first series. But for me, uh, Augustin Padalia and uh, Merijav Menon's line work and um, Sorry and for the pronunciation works, as usual. <laughs> as usual. Their line work and their colour work in this was fucking phenomenal. I don't think the Predator has looked this good in ages. I really do. Chris, Chris Warner wrote the the last issue as well, right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because he was the artist for the original Predator Dark Horse series, and now he's gone on to writing. He's mostly done. He's mostly done interior artwork. So he's worked on Concrete Jungle, Book One, Series One, whatever. Um, the Bloody Sands of Time, Bad Blood, the original AVP, AVP War. But yeah, he's also uh, written and. To be fair, aside from Predator Hunters 1, his uh, writing credit is <laughs> his Aliens Colonial Marines, the comic series, which is uh, about as great as the uh, the game of the same name. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, so... But, you know, Chris, is, Chris Warren is actually... I think he's like one of the head-ups of Dark Horse nowadays. He must be like a senior editor or something there now. So, yeah, he, it, it was nice to have that writing consistency as well. Eric, you were saying that Stargazer was inept and, and pretty much just served as... As cannon fodder for the yeah, I mean they they were a, a little bit better here than in the film, but not by much. <laughs> I, I I didn't care personally because I liked having so this. I don't think that a comic series has had so many fucking gorgeous spreads and and single pages and double pages of the fucking predator looking as good as it does. Than yeah, you were just series. did it for the carnage. Yeah. Oh yeah, I fucking loved it. Yeah. Whereas I, I want something alongside that. To me, that on its own, it's nice, but it, I want something else in addition to it. I want, you know, because otherwise it just becomes the equivalent of comic porn. Well, I, I want sometimes something... that's good. Yeah, all you want is like a B movie. But if if you had the chart, the choice, would you want an uh, you know a, a proper movie or a B movie? You're going to say, well, if on balance, I would rather have. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, in terms of predator violence, this has got some really nice stuff in it. They have some really great uses of lighting in here. Where there's like there's this one scene. It's nothing to do with violence, but it's just the the predator. It's going back to its lair and it's looking over all these not skull trophies but equipment trophies, and it takes off its mask. And it's it has a really nice use of shadow and and all that in there. Um, the way this one this sequel comic series starts off with you have the i don't know if they're al-qaeda or i guess they're al-qaeda they just well, they just they call them jihadists, jihadists they, yeah. yeah that that covers pretty much anything and they've got um they think they've got a cia spy and they're going to execute him on camera but a predator interview it reminded me a lot in that sequence in predator 2 with where they the voodoo gang are, are killing this guy where they're putting paint on him and the predator intervenes it reminded me a lot of that and all that sequence this starts off really strong it has that happen and then it like once that scene ends it switches to another thing but you have these scenes where you're just seeing what the predator is doing and it's you have this sense of 
dynamic inertia about it, but you're not necessarily seeing the predator. But I think that works really well because what that does, that captures the atmosphere of what it's like to be under attack by a predator. You don't know where where the attacks are coming from, but they're happening and they are just outright slaughter. And this particular art style does that really well. And what you said earlier about the, um, I think you mentioned the color palette or something. Um, I did feel in this one, it's taking place in this, you know, Afghanistan. It's this arid, almost lifeless mountains and stuff. There's something about the color palette on this, which does, it makes you feel that. I don't know what it is, but it does make you feel like you're out in this hot, windswept environment where nothing wants to grow sort of thing <laughs> but yeah the the art illustration i i can't say enough good things about the art illustration in this one it, it communicates the atmosphere the even the, like the emotions of the characters it is something about it, it communicated all that really well even if the um as i said there are certain things about the writing i would have liked to be different but the art style was really impressive i have to say that i um, um in particular really like that the pages were never boring to me. Um, mm, yeah, visually, yeah. Yeah, I have an issue with. Um, I don't want to pick on tines, but it's always tines that I notice it. In. So you, <laughs> you know, the, there's a perception as tines as being lazy cash grabs. I've been reading the the newer Stargate stuff lately, and that is the sort of impression that the artwork in that gives. You know, undetailed backgrounds, drab colours, just you know serving as the background and it looks lazy and it does look like you definitely get tired. a sense in this one you get a lot of detail yes on exactly line, like the trucks that are driving along and the and the villages and stuff you have a lot of this little little tiny details that really help to convince you that it is what it's trying to portray mm. and even with like the landscapes and stuff as well you know all the mountains mm. and, and and the different shades in the sky as the sunset and stuff like that you know yeah. I, I like that attention to detail I love it. So that was another point for me um, in terms of this one. There was a few things I, I wanted to bring up that we, we quickly breeze past, and I have to try and remember to um, to go back. Always to the way. So we mentioned vision modes earlier. This should only be a little comment because I just want to see if you guys noticed it. You, we mentioned the vision modes earlier. No, the Predator doesn't use a load of vision modes, but there is one quick panel after he loses his mask where it shows you the original sort of red, unfiltered Predator vision from the first film. Did, did, you, guys, mm. did you guys pick up on that? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I missed that one. What what part was it by? That that was issue four. So that was when the predator was fighting the hunters in the cave. Hmm. It was just a quick panel, but that that was a nice little moment that I thought was ha huh, cool. Ridge top, and you call yourself a fan. <sighs> I know. I missed one little <laughs> glimpse at a page. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. It was a nice callback, though. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like for me personally, I know, I know it's not correct canon but i was i was always since i like played ap and avp2 on pc before i ever watched the movies i was always like oh predators just see normally like they don't yeah. see it all red <laughs> like so I when, when I, in one of my criticisms <laughs> i was thinking to myself someone who grows up with this game is gonna think they see just like we would. <laughs> and you just proved my point exactly these years so the personality though of the predator so i wouldn't say we got a great deal of it through i mean we no. we, <laughs> we see how badass it is through through all the slaughters and stuff and yes it would have been nice with the character moments but it, i i enjoyed seeing how seeing how formidable this guy was but um something i picked up on was 
how much this particular predator seemed to make a use of mimicry. I don't think that's something that ever really gets used a lot of, but this particular guy really seemed to like taunting people. Um, did anybody else pick up on that one? Yeah, no, I thought it, it worked pretty well. Yeah, it was it was interesting how you know when when he pulls out the knife and his Texas style, like it was. There were those moments, and and when he was taking out the what would you call it, the jihadist groups, and they were all you know thinking he was a demon and stuff, and he was kind of like taunting them with that. Like those moments were were pretty cool for sure. But yeah, this this predator did not have as much character development as I would say the three did in the last one. But at the same time, I thought that was okay for the story. I mean, it was more focused on Swain. And we just knew this predator was like super deadly with how many trophies we saw he had taken of, of people in the area, as well as this guy's old team. And and when Swain went into the cave where the predator was hiding out, we also see a predator ship in there, which was cool design. Like it was different. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of not the version we saw in the film, but if you've ever seen concept art of the original dropship design from Aliens, it reminded me a lot of that, actually. I don't know if that was oh, on yeah. purpose, but yeah. It seemed to have the same sort of shape and contours to it. It kind of reminded me check of Mecca's version of the Predator 2 one, um, with the insectile sort of um, detail into it. Hmm. But yeah, like you can tell he's he's been camping out there a while, which makes makes me wonder if like he's been there since Swain's team got eliminated think, or he probably yeah, just visits and that's his vacation spot yeah like. I, th- I think that was the implication it's either he'd been it's been there since then or that's where it regularly goes although yeah. you also get the sense that the, it hardly has anyone to actually hunt there that was my only thing of it because it did feel pretty lifeless as an area Let's let's actually talk about that setting then, because I don't think I'm alone in having said this in the past. But I, you know, I, I said how much I would have liked to have seen the Predator in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in in the Middle East, whatever. You know, it's well, in our lifetime. You know, it's been a big a big area of conflict. Well, we last saw it in the the comic Sand Trap, right? Yes. It came out with that DVD set. As far as I can remember, that is the only time we have ever actually seen the Predator in in the Middle East. Um, I think there was a there, there was supposedly a outline for an AVP two. I think in Eternal that there was like a scene in it, but um, what you mean when he sees the thing crash? No, the the journalist, I believe. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. when her partner Maybe, gets killed. That, that's barely in it at all, though. Right, but the story doesn't take place there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was really, really pleased to see an entire series take place there because I think the Predator, you know, I think it's a good locale for a Predator thing. So much conflict is there, um, which sucks in the real world. But you know, for for our fictional uh, hot zones, I thought it was really cool and and it, and it won points for me for that one. Um, by you guys. Yeah, no, it was it was cool to see, and I I need to go back and read Sandtrap as well. Like that's a rare comic, and I wish um, I wish Dark Horse would just release it digitally now because a lot of people haven't read it because it only came out with that one uh, set. So um, no, it was it was a cool location to to see. Um, obviously, it wasn't quite like we weren't focused on the military in this one, even though we saw a bit of it with Stargazer. It was it was interesting to see the. They're stealth choppers, too. They kind of reminded me of the ones from Zero Dark Thirty, if you guys have seen that movie. But those were kind of cool looking, even though they got taken That's out what they the used in the Quick. Bin Laden raid, didn't it? They, they have, like, stealthy Black Hawks. So, yeah. yeah they are. About you, Xenomorph, in, um, were, you, were you interested in the setting at all, or did you prefer the jungles? I, th- I think and in terms of 
you know, a predator film, Jungle will always work better just because of the themes there is. It's, you know, it's to do with hunting, it's to do with going back to nature, etc. Anywhere to do with the desert is symbolically more lifeless. However, I, I'm like you guys, I've, I've said for a while now that providing it's handled right, I would like to, it, it makes sense for there to be, it to be drawn towards zones of conflict and that's not just afghanistan and iraq the israeli border would make total sense with you know the the kind of stuff that goes on there um syria all that kind of stuff are obvious places for predators to be which are not just in terms of you know war but it's also very chaotic so it's believable that a predator could do something there and the people who find the bodies wouldn't necessarily put it down to this is a space alien they would just think you know somebody's been mutilated by you know getting caught in a mortar blast or something however i've always given it the proviso that the danger with that is with Depending on the writer, I'm not sure who I would trust with to not inject it with politics. There are a couple of points I noticed in this. There, there were a couple of little political digs. <laughs> yes, they, 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 they See, I thought that was good. That like, was you, you don't always have to avoid I, politics. Like, I, I, yeah, but okay, let's let's take that one for example. There were t- the two that came to mind was the the guy in the truck saying, "Oh, the, this is the graveyard of empires," and he bundles in America and Britain as, "Oh, you lost." Where no, we actually won our objectives. It was about what happened afterwards. And the thing about the kid, where okay, that's more like a John Stewart joke, where he says, "Oh, I can't take you to America. America, I want to go to Canada, where there's good healthcare." <laughs> a little kid in Afghanistan is not going to think like that. Um, oh, yeah. There's a he, he was a smart kid. Like that was the whole his yeah, character. I've, I've, got, I've got a real world example of this. There's a book I forget the author's name, but it's called "Love My Rifle More Than You," and it's about a, a female infantry. You know, she's an infantry man but i suppose interview infantry woman in the u.s army in the um i think she's in the 101st eagles or whatever but anyway it's about her experiences when she was called out to afghanistan and she recounts this story of um this little kid i forget if this was in iraq or i think this yeah i think this was in iraq and this little kid he he's like going up to a unit and he's provide you know they give him chocolate and stuff he's like one of their little friends in that and he asked her because she she was one of his friends at this point um oh how much do you make being in the u.s army and she says oh i, I earn this much. and because to him even he's in relative poverty and he says she says his eyes widened and he was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna do that and she's and she says no 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 i'm not rich I have, and she broke it down for this kid, and she pointed out, I have to pay this much on my mortgage, I have to pay this much on groceries, this much on tax, this much on fuel, this much on blah, blah. And by the end of it, the kid who she, I, th- I think she paid him for something he brought to them or something, and he actually gave her the money, and he says, here, you need this more than me, because he <laughs> recognised that she is oh employed in a Western military, but because she has so many expenses... This little kid thought, oh, America, it's the bland of opportunity. And when she broke it down for him, he just went, here, have this money that I got. I'm in poverty. Here, you have it. A little kid is not going to think in terms of, oh, health care and legal, whatever. They don't think in that way. So I got it as a little joke. Let Let me jump in here. So not to get into the subject too much. Yeah. But but I think there's nothing wrong if they want to throw a little politics in, but it's always a balance, right? You see it with with some companies. I don't think they 
they go far enough in exploring the political ramifications of something. We saw this with uh, Ubisoft's game Far Cry 5. Like a lot of critics said this whole setting, this whole premise is is very ripe for some some political exploration here, but but they didn't go with it. Maybe they were they were um, nervous about, you know, offending the wrong people or something. But I feel like, you know, you have creative types like writers and artists who naturally have political feelings about things. And if they want to interject some of that, I don't see any problem at all. The problem is when they take a, a franchise story and they use that as a platform for exactly. politics. Yeah. But that that's when it goes a little too far. But yeah, if, well, if they if they want to put political messages or political explorations and stories or depending on on what the story um you know demands for for its premise and and some of the settings regarding that and the the yeah, um, they, dynamics they, of the story yeah. it can have its place i think it yeah. can be done right yeah that this is what i'm saying they were those two little things that's why they made me cringe but because they were you know relatively small they were little moments made me cringe because I was thinking in terms of that's not how a little kid would think, not in terms of, you know, oh, it goes against politics or whatever, but I was just thinking, ah, he's a little kid, he wouldn't think like that. But they were like few and far between, whereas if it was something, like I said, like set within something like Israel and the Hamas stuff and whatever, I could see someone, it would be way too much of a danger for someone to politicise that story. Here, you don't really get that. So it's, I was really, I would, this is what I'm saying. That's yeah, all it is. I was, Exactly. That's what I'm saying. With this, I was worried about that. But because it was only those two little things, I was actually relieved. So this one, I would say, did it right. And I also said before that, and we've talked about war zones, how this one started off with the um, someone being taken as a hostage and they're going to decapitate in line on camera. That is actually one of the ways I've said before is that's how a predator story could start. And they actually did it here and it worked really well. Another thing I think worked well, we haven't covered this yet, but culturally, I've said before that I would like to see, particularly the Predator, because it's, you know, Predator stories set now as opposed to alien stories. Predator stories, it would be nice to see other cultural references, like in the original Predator, where you have Anna, uh -huh. but all she says is like the demon who takes trophies of men. In this one, you had it, you had this thing where the locals kept referring to it as a jinn, which in Islamic culture genius, isn't worked it? really yeah. well. The only thing I would take exception, oh, and the other thing was I, I thought worked really well. You did have this sequence where it was a jinn jihadi fighter and he's been chased down this um cave by a predator and he's under attack you do actually see in his language him actually reciting an islamic prayer which i thought was a really nice touch because it's so it it gave you that insight that no matter where we come from if you're being hunted down by something we're all in the same shit um but the thing about the jinn i thought was worked it worked well and it didn't because it was a funny joke it made, it made me chuckle well, the, the, the gin in the bottle. Villages and towns. Yeah, the gin yeah. in the bottle one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they were throwing it to a, as a gin. I thought that worked for them. But um, Atoll was his name, I think. Uh -huh. Can't remember. The, the, the bottle, um, yeah. Yeah, and he gave strong hints of knowing it wasn't, from his perspective, he would know it's not a gin because the gin are considered creatures made out of fire that they've got a lot of attributes that all the things that the boy was describing he'd witnessed he would know culturally hang on a minute that's what the grown-ups are calling it 
I know they're called. He should have said to them, well, they think it's a gin, but I know it's something else. But he kept on referring it to a gin himself, which I think was something I would have liked to have been changed. But the fact they were doing that, they were giving another cultural reference to the to what ordinary people would perceive as what the predator, because it's not so much seeing the predator, seeing what the predator does. They're seeing the aftermath of the predator, like Anna did in her village. Um, whereas the little boy, he's seen what the, the thing actually is. So I think he should have realised there's a difference. But yeah, the things like that, I thought culturally and environmentally, they did it really well. I also thought it was a nice touch where they said that this cave system it was hiding out in, that was where the Taliban or whoever, they, they'd vacated it, it had killed a lot of them, and they kept on trying to take it back. And I thought that was clever because it lets us know that's what it's hunting. It's hunting the jihadists that keep on trying to reclaim the cave system. So yeah, little touches like that, I thought this in terms of that kind of environment, I think it worked really well for me. It didn't politicise it over the mark of just anything I couldn't ignore. And you had those cultural differences, so it made it believable and it made it if anything, I would say we didn't see the Predator use enough different types of weapons. But in terms of, you know, what they did with the setting, I thought it actually worked really well. Yeah, I will say the climax was a bit quick. I mean, it was interesting how he was taken out in the minefield, but I would have liked to have seen that play out just a little bit longer. Yeah. But it might have allowed more of the cat and mouse kind of thing that, um, you know, Xenomorphin was alluring to earlier. Because this was one issue shorter than the first series. The first series was five. Was that was five? Four. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I felt, yeah, I, 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 thought, I felt the other one was four, too. Yeah, I noticed it. I noticed this story felt shorter. Could have used another issue, in my opinion. Mm, I, I was I was surprised. Uh, going into four, I was like, well, it doesn't feel like there's enough room left to wrap this up. So, yeah, I can I can completely understand that feeling of rushness to the to the climax. But in, ter- in terms of him in how he took out the um, the Predator, what did what did you think of that? Like I said, it was kind of a, a cool idea how this kid knew about this old Russian minefield because one of the mines had blown off his leg and he had taken it upon himself to mark where those mines were so it wouldn't happen to, to anyone else, which, of course, you know, that's that was a really, I guess, noble development of, of his character there. Um, and the Predator wouldn't know there were mines there, I, I would assume, so that it made sense that he would just stumble on one. But it, it just happened a little too quick, I thought. Um, that they just lunged at each other, the predator stepped on a mine, and, and that was that. Like I said, no, I would no, have... No, uh, Swain deliberately set one off. He stood on one, waited for the predator to get close to him, and then stepped off the mine. Oh, I thought it showed the predator's foot on the mine no, in that was, panel. No, it, it was Swain. That that was his redemption. It was him blowing oh. himself up to, to take out uh, this big body. Yeah, I thought it was just the predator, that he was trying to lure the predator to step on one, which would have probably been a smarter <laughs> course of action if he wanted to survive. But... <laughs> That's what you get for reading them five minutes before the show. Oh, yeah, I know. Always but see that—that that was another thing I felt was telling because as soon as the kid mentioned, I know yeah, where landmines yeah. are. You, you knew it was. I knew. I knew it, it was either going to be that. I actually was hoping it would be that in conjunction with something else. Like that was the red herring and how it actually met its demise was through a different way. But yeah, I, I figured that was 
going to be play a big part into it as soon as he mentioned that you know a lot of people forget the soviet union did invade afghanistan and there's still a lot of landmines and stuff around there and there are a lot of kids like that where they've had a i, I mean i the other thing i liked about the kid was he wasn't an able-bodied kid he was a disabled kid and he was just trying to make his way around you know life as it was and there are a lot of people like that in that corner of the world i thought that was a nice addition too yeah also real quick there was a character that only got a couple scenes uh Artemis, which is, I mean, is that a, her real name? Yes, that, I would assume. She, she, was she in the like, first? It sounds yeah. like a code name. No, she's she's the one that um, rescues Jaya in the first one. Oh, okay. The one that warns her as well when they're having the big meal. I guess it's it's. Uh, I assume they're romantic partners, right? Her and Jaya. I, I didn't get that implication. They just rescued her. And no, I mean at the end of this one. I, no, I, didn't I, pick I got that, that impression because I mean she was waiting for it at, at her house and all that but just how she greeted her made me think that but did she was she also kind of a backseat role in the first one or she wasn't a major character in the first one she just she warns Jaya when they show up for dinner and then ultimately she's the one that sort of rescues Jaya again and gets them back to the boat and gets all their quit, equipment back and they go back with the helicopter so she she helps them out she's the turncoat from the islanders that pretty much saves everybody. Hmm. You not remember her? No, it's been too long since I've read the first one. I need to go back and, yeah, and read she, the first one. She, she was the one who dressed up in the Predator stuff and was like, no, I'm here to help you. And she was saying... Oh, that's oh. right. That's right. Okay, now now you got me. They, she, she was the she one they... She stabbed the guy in the gut. She, yeah, the no, I was, I was confused there. Okay, so yeah. she was the one they rescued from the island. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, now, now I'm... Now I re- oh, those, recognize those pick-up character. lines that guy used, though. <laughs> oh, I might come along and try and hunt you down later on. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, you crazy bastard. <laughs> right, uh, is there any, any other points of, of this series that you want to talk about? It hasn't gone necessarily in the directions I would have liked, but I'm, I will say it's it's provoked interest in me i'm interested in seeing where it's heading to so you'll be reading number three then yeah I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it a read i'm not expecting it to necessarily wow me but i i know if nothing else probably the art is going to be really good but um yeah I'm, i am interested in seeing where it's going aaron would you like to see the art continue on from this one or would you like to see the third one uh change again i would be happy with either of the previous two artists i did really like this one i do think it's the best the predator has looked in ages very brutal i think these folks who suit the predator but if whoever comes on to a third uh, run is is just as good then i don't i don't really mind i'm up for different artists because you know i think i mentioned it when we did uh defiance podcast uh if we didn't then it's in my review that i've yet to post but with these being episodic things i don't mind the idea of different artists because it's to me like a different director a different you know um a different director on on an episode of a tv show so they'll have different you know visual styles and and stuff like that so that that kind of works for me and that was one of the things i did actually end up liking about the changing artists in not Defiance. always not not always Rem- remember sam keith yeah After well, Dennis I, Beauvais. I mean it, it's a gamble that's the only thing and and defiance we would have liked to have seen it consistent with that i guess but that's why i didn't mind it in defiance because defiance felt like a tv show to me so it just felt like another director to me sam keith uh yeah sam keith only ever suited what was the novella he did more than human 
Was that it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think he fucking suited that story down to a T once you got to the twist in it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this works. Uh, but no, Sam Keith should never touch um, never touch aliens again. <laughs> Hi, Sam, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us how you really feel. Really feel. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody's ever shy about their dislike of Sam Keith and Alien. Every artist has their... They've got to be utilised on the right material. But unfortunately, it's that Earth War was... Awful. I don't think it played to his strengths. To be fair, any actor coming in, any actor, any artist coming in off the back of um, Dan Bouvet was going to be in for a hard time. Let's be honest. I don't know if it would have been, if it had been someone like John um, Bolton, that would have mixed perfectly well with that. Bolton never do any interior artwork. I thought he only did the covers. Didn't he do Sacrifice? Did he do Sacrifice? I'm pretty sure he did. To Google. <laughs> No, uh, Sacrifice was illustrated by John Paul. Oh, okay. Completely, he he inked and coloured it. I, I thought he was Bolton as well. Okay, I'm wrong. But I mean, an artist like that, if he'd done Earth War, I think it would have had a completely different visual tone. Yeah, John John Bolton um, has only ever been a cover artist. Uh, Female War, um, Noob's Tale, Kidnapped, Deadliest of Species, pretty much all the library editions of the Alien um, stories, and quite a few of the novels as well. Yeah, yeah, it would have been interesting seeing some interior artwork by him. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's a fair point, you know. If the artist suits it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's got to have the right tone for the right artist. Mm. But I don't mind the idea of moving away. I mean, I'd be happy if they returned, but assuming the new people are decent, then I'd have no problem with it. So not to end on too much of a negative note here, but I, I do hope we see the Predator Expanded Universe can continue as it has, even in the wake of, of the Predator being as divisive as it was. I would like to see a sequel to uh, the If It Bleeds anthology novel. I thought that was really great. Yeah, and Brian was working on one, but it does sound like the reaction to the Predator is making them take a pause with it, I suppose. Which it, it shouldn't. The expanded universe is its own thing, and one... Uh, I suppose to some extent the success of the films will influence the success of the expanded universe, but not exclusively. I don't think so at all. No, I think um, I think the series themselves and the books themselves um, should be judged on their own merit in terms of that. You know, I, I hope Hunter 1, I hope Hunter 2 have sold well enough to make them keep doing the Hunter series, and I would hope that uh, if it bleeds as sales, which I believe were pretty good, um, should be enough of a judgment for them to do another one. Yeah, it it's but we're looking at this as fans in terms of a, a company and executive. They tend to look at all. Oh, there's a a bit. We took a huge financial loss there. Should we invest more? Well, that, that, that's the let's point. Let's evaluate. Yeah, we want these things. The expanded universe to have done well yeah, enough. Exactly. To get they should going. be judged separately. But I can I can understand why there might be a, a hold off financially. There shouldn't be, but that's because we we're looking at it in a more enlightened way than the people who actually hold the purse <laughs> strings than the people looking how, at the numbers yeah that that's how they they look at it in a different it's not the way it should be looked at but unfortunately it is the way it's looked at and um it can often do them more harm than good because they can often shoot themselves you know, in the overlook or, yeah they can obviously overlook certain things that would make them huge amounts of money but um 
Yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Ridgetop. I, I hope there's a number three. The end of this story obviously sets itself up for a third one. Reaction to this seems to have been relatively yes. good. Um, so yeah, I, I hope there's there's another one. So last last sort of scores then eight out of ten for me. I liked it a bit better than the first one just because it it was a little more focused. And honestly, the Predator has never looked this good. Or it hasn't looked this good in a long ass time in terms of the comics, so that's why I bumped it up just just a little bit more than the original series. But keep them coming, keep these characters coming. Let's keep developing them. Let's actually build on you know on their histories and on what's happening to them now. Eight out of ten for me as well, but on par with the first one. Six and a half out of ten. We should have gone after Xenomorphin. Slightly better than the first one. Be sure to let us know what you thought about the series um, as well. Any rebukes to points we've made or any points you want to bring up, you know, throw them in the thread, throw them on the Facebook post, reply on Twitter, whatever. So many different outlets to listen to this thing. Whichever outlet you're listening on, just, you know, let us know your thoughts. We're always happy to hear back from people. If you want to drop us an email, again, same reason, or just to share your general thoughts, um, you can let us know on podcast at avpgalaxy.net. We're available on all the usual uh, social media outlets we're on facebook we're on twitter we are on instagram we're also on youtube um we've been doing some let's plays of uh, avp requiem on the psp recently so those are all as of recording we haven't finished the game but um two of the routes should be up by now so head on over check those out check out some of the lore videos and again if you like what you see you know let us know subscribe <laughs> you know keep keep an eye out we'd like to do more with the youtube channel keep keep in touch with with what's happening to keep up to date with the uploads you know hit that subscribe and hit that alert button i guess that's that thank you everybody for listening this has been corporal hicks ridge stop xenomorphine get into the chopper <laughs>